Thanks for listening to the Thyroid Fixer podcast with your host, me, Dr. Amy Horniman, aka the Thyroid Fixer. Also, functional medicine practitioner, hormone and weight loss expert. We're talking all things thyroid, hormone, and health-related in order to empower, educate, and transform you. Remember, I fix your thyroid, I fix your hormones, I fix your life. So let's get started. A little bit of a controversial topic today. Is intermittent fasting really good for the thyroid? I stuck a post up last week. It got a lot of attention about intermittent fasting raising your reverse T3. Now, I heard you. I fully expected as soon as I put this up that I would get a ton of responses from, what do you mean? Oh, my God, this is news to basically calling me out on bullshit and saying that intermittent fasting worked for them. So we're going to break this down and clarify and clarify with science. Are you ready? Are you finally at your wit's end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Okay, let's first start with what is intermittent fasting? Intermittent fasting is a restricted window of eating. So whether you eat for eight hours a day and you fast, meaning no food consumption, none, you fast for 16 hours, or some people do what's called an OMAD, one meal a day. And that is literally eating once a day. You are fasting for 23 hours out of the day and consuming all of your day's calories in one hour, which is really, really hard to do. We're going to go over that. That's part of the challenge. So intermittent fasting is just restricting the amount of time that you're eating. You can either be in a fasted state or a feeding state. You're either not eating or you're eating, right? At any given point during the day. Now, when we look at the benefits of intermittent fasting, the benefits are number one, it reduces insulin. So if you have insulin resistance, which many of you do if you are hypothyroid, then fasting is a way to lower that. Why? Because every time you eat, your pancreas secretes insulin. We know this. So going back to that old school bodybuilder way of eating every two hours, six times a day, eat every two hours to keep your metabolism up. That works against many people because every time you eat, even if it's a small amount of calories, a snack, a protein shake, your pancreas is secreting insulin. Now, if you're insulin resistant, we know at the cell level, those doors are closed. The insulin cannot get in. It can't lower your glucose. It can't shove the nutrients into the cell. Then there's excess insulin in the body. And that excess insulin 
is the fat storage hormone. Insulin is needed for life, but in excess, it is the fat storage hormone. So we know with that excess insulin, it's just going to be this cascade effect of higher insulin fat gain. That fat gain, that excess body fat makes you more insulin resistant. That insulin resistance causes more weight gain, and it's just a back and forth. So by incorporating in intermittent fasting, i.e. not shoving your face full of food every couple of hours, you are allowing your insulin levels to come down, your glucose comes down. Many of you might even shift over into ketosis, which is a state of fat burning. Ketosis cannot happen. Your body cannot produce its own ketones if you are constantly fed, if you're always eating. So shifting into that state of ketosis also helps with weight loss and also helps with insulin resistance. There are many benefits to fasting. There are many benefits to intermittent fasting. Another benefit is that your digestive system gets a break. All of our systems get a little bit tired of us constantly pounding. So just like stress pounds your adrenals, just like high carb and high sugar eating for many years, eventually your pancreas, it pounds your pancreas, eventually your pancreas just shits the bed and stops producing the proper amount of insulin and stops producing insulin completely, i.e. an insulin dependent type two diabetic. We pound our systems so much that even the digestive tract needs a break once in a while. It doesn't need to be processing your food that you're pushing down your gullet every two hours. So intermittent fasting has its place and absolutely helps many, many people, many people. And it even helps with a little bit of control. So if you're coming from the 80s, the 90s, the bodybuilding era, the eat every two hours to keep your metabolism up thought process, this is going to help kind of give you some structure to where, okay, now you only have six hours in a day to eat. You only have eight hours in a day to eat. Now, granted, if you do the every two hours with eight hour, yeah, you're still getting in four meals a day, but that's much more concise. I still wouldn't want you eating every couple hours during an eight hour eating window. However, kind of brings that down so that you're not eating your first meal at 7 a.m., and finishing your last meal at 7 p.m. It really shortens that time to where you're not eating multiple, multiple times a day. And that structure really helps people. Now, when we're looking at the thyroid specifically, and we're looking at women specifically, there are definitely right and wrong ways to fast. And there are many experts out there. So if we look at someone like Cynthia Thurlow, she, friend, colleague, she has looked at fasting and really said, listen, there's a right way, there's a wrong way. And all of this data on fasting is bro science. It's all been done on men. What about the women and how our bodies work and how our hormones are shifting and what is appropriate for women in the fasting realm? Now I'm taking it one step further and I completely agree with everything that Cynthia says. And I'm going a little bit deeper and I'm saying, what about women with thyroid problems? What about the women with thyroid problems? Nobody specifically calls us out and says, let's do some research as to what's good for you guys. We just get lumped in to the female category. And I get it, but I think we have to dissect that category a little bit further because a woman 
with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's is completely different chemically, biologically than a woman without hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. Can I get an amen out there? You know, you know, your friend Susie Q next door, she's doing the get fit baby mama diet and she's lost 20 pounds. And you're like, son of a bitch, I've tried the same thing and I haven't even lost a pound. There's a complete difference in, again, biology, chemistry, metabolism between two women, one with hypothyroidism, one without. Even if they both have insulin resistance. Yes, fasting can help insulin resistance. You can both have insulin resistance, but you who has a thyroid problem, you're going to be more behind the eight ball in terms of your metabolism. It's going to be more difficult. So we have to look at fasting from that perspective. We have to do that minute breakdown of women with hypothyroidism and fasting. Okay, so what do we know? What data can we start with? We know that whether you have, or whether you know that you have, maybe you don't know, Hashimoto's, you know your thyroid's messed up. You know you have hypothyroidism. We'll start there. Now, like I always say, and this does not need to be repeated again and again, but my God, get optimized, get on the right thyroid medication. Boom, that's step one. Step two, let's say, let's just theorize that you're already on the right thyroid medication. You're not on T4 only, but you know, you're still, you still want to be healthy. You're still looking to lose some weight. You still have to do your part. We can't just throw thyroid medication at you and say, here you go. Now you'll lose all the weight in the world. No, it still has to be behavior, lifestyle. What are you putting in your mouth? So we know that your metabolism is going to be a little bit slower with hypothyroidism. Even once we get you optimized, that's not a green light to go pig out and eat everything you want, live whatever lifestyle you want. I want you to be able to enjoy the weekends, have a cheat, have a treat, but this isn't a green light to go crazy. So assuming that your metabolism is a little bit lower, what we want to look at with intermittent fasting are two things. Number one, how does intermittent fasting affect reverse T3? And how does intermittent fasting prevent you as an individual, as a woman, from getting in the adequate amounts of protein that your body needs? Because as we've talked about before, protein is necessary to maintain lean, sexy muscle. You need adequate amounts of testosterone, as well as protein, as well as lifting heavy shit to have enough GSD hormone, testosterone to be able to maintain your muscle, protect your bones and have that lean, sexy look to be more metabolically active. Your muscles need protein. Can you get in that amount with intermittent fasting? All right, we're going to start with the first thing. How does intermittent fasting affect the body? We know it's a stress period. You can't argue that. Look it up. Multiple studies show intermittent fasting is a stressor on the body. So any stressor on the body, we know it can be a good stress or a bad stress, but our bodies respond to stress the same way. We increase cortisol. Now, when the intermittent fasting or when that stressor is presented in a short period of time, so we'll use the example of an ice bath or an infrared sauna 
those are stressors that are hermetic stressors. Our body adapts to those stressors and actually has a positive response. So in the case of an ice bath or a cold shower or Wim Hof method, your body is amping up its metabolism. And then here comes in that brown fat versus white fat that we talk about with thyroid fixer and T2. The ice bath stimulates brown adipose tissue, the good kind, brown adipose tissue to actually increase your basal metabolic rate and increase your fat burning. Now, intermittent fasting, again, is another stressor, but we have to look to see, is it a short-term stress, a hermetic stress? It could be. Or is it a bad stress that could increase our cortisol? Now, if we tie this all together, why are we looking at cortisol? Because cortisol increases reverse T3. So when you are pumping out high amounts of cortisol ongoing from an ongoing stress, not a short-term stress, yes, you might get a little bit of a cortisol dump with something like an ice bath or a cold shower, but it's not going to be this continuous high cortisol level that is going to pump into your bloodstream cause inflammation, increase stress, and ultimately push up reverse T3. So that's what we're looking at. So when we're looking at fasting and intermittent fasting, if you are, and what do we know about low calorie diets? We know that that's a stressor, it reduces your metabolism. So when we're intermittent fasting, we really have to focus on what is that eating window, and this will tie into Point number two, what is that eating window? And during that eating window, are you actually consuming the correct amount of calories for the day? I know I said the C word, I never say calories, but they are important in terms of starvation. If you're not getting in a baseline energy consumption, i.e. a calorie, if you're not getting in at least 1200 calories a day, your metabolism is going to drop. That is a stressor on the body, period. Our bodies are so amazingly smart. And that is why that survival mechanism, like reverse T3, is built into us to protect us. There is a survival mechanism of a starvation mode where when our bodies sense that we are starving, it will shut down metabolism because it knows that in this time, you don't have to be burning fat. You don't have to be feeling good. You don't have to be growing your hair. And that's the same thing that we can say about reverse T3. What do I say about reverse T3? It goes up when you're in the times of stress. It goes up when you're in the ICU or the ER because our bodies know that when you're trying to heal, you don't have to burn fat. You don't have to feel good. You don't have to think. You don't have to grow your hair. You have to live and survive and heal. Well, the same thing goes for that starvation mode in that your body will say, this person is not feeding us enough on a day-to-day, 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 week-to-week, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And screw them. They don't have to burn fat. We need to survive this body. We need to keep this body alive. So what does it do? It downregulates metabolic processes. And all metabolic processes are combined, including your hair growth. We've talked about this on another episode. It's not just fat burning, although that's a big one. It's your organ functioning, it's your hair growing, it's your skin cell turnover rate, it's your brain turning on. All of that is metabolism, ATP production at the cell, metabolism. 
So your body is going to shut that down if you're not getting in enough food during that intermittent fasting window. And ladies, you are notorious for under eating and you're already you're probably entering intermittent fasting, not from a biohacking standpoint, although there are some of you out there that are doing this for cancer prevention and autophagy and all of the, the other benefits of intermittent fasting. I get it. But most of you are doing this because you're hoping and praying that this is the answer to weight loss. And for many of you who have implemented intermittent fasting, it might be, but we have to look long-term. You might've gotten a quick result from intermittent fasting. Now let's look long-term. Okay. So when we look long-term and we look at caloric intake, are you getting in enough calories on a day-to-day basis? So your body doesn't go into shutdown mode, into starvation mode. Then we have to look at the amount of time that you're fasting. So chances are, right? And I will say this with certainty, 12 hours of fasting is cool pretty much for everyone. I don't even believe that we should be consuming food for 14 hours a day. I mean, 12 hours of not eating, including your sleep time, that's not too much to ask anyone. And that probably, that's like baseline. That's just living and breathing. It should be 12 hours. I wouldn't even call that an intermittent fast. That's just human existence. That's kind of what you should be doing. But then when we start getting into 16-8, 14-10, I mean, even 14-10, that's not pushing the limits of stress. Can you consume enough calories in 10 hours? Probably. But 16-8, then that starts to get really kind of crunched together. So my question would be, ladies, are you actually getting in three to four really good protein-laden, nutritious, good fat-containing meals during those eight hours? And if you answer no, you shouldn't be doing it because your body is going to go in the starvation mode. It's going to shut down your metabolism and all of this intermittent fasting is going to work against you. And in the long run, as it relates to the thyroid, your reverse T3 is going to go up because it's your body is seeing that as a stress. Starvation is a stress and it will absolutely raise your cortisol levels, which will increase reverse T3. Now, this might not happen right away. You might be saying, well, I just got my reverse T3 test in and I've been doing 16A forever and it's a nine. To which I would ask, again, this is the personalization. To which I would ask, okay, do you feel good? Have you lost weight? Is your free T3 in the optimal range? Cool. Okay, then keep doing it. Then disregard this podcast. But if you're like, well, my reverse T3 is a nine, but I'm still not losing weight. And I don't know what's going on. And the weight loss just stopped or I can't lose it all. No matter what I do, all this damn intermittent fasting isn't even working. Right. Okay. Well, the reverse may not have caught up yet. There's still something going on in your body that is saying this isn't a good idea or this isn't working for you. And you're just not paying attention to it. It's the same thing as if you gave me T4. I know I'm kind of sidetracking, but it's relevant. If you give me 25 micrograms of T4, my reverse isn't going to shoot up and you're not going to be able to test me next week and say, oh my God, aim your reverse T3 is a 15. No, I'm going to put on the weight first. I'm going to go hypo first. It's going to take a while for that reverse. It'll catch up. 
<laughs> but I'm not, I won't even get that far before you see a reverse T3 go high enough to document it before I lose my mind. So the symptoms will come first before the reverse. Same thing with intermittent fasting. If it's not right for you, if you're not doing it correctly, if it is seen as a stressor, if you're not getting in the calories, if you're not getting in the protein, which is going to be part two, then I would say you're going to experience the symptoms of elevated reverse T3 before the reverse T3 goes high. Although it will go high if you continue. And again, doing something over and over again, expecting different result is what? Insanity. So let's just figure out what's going to actually work for you. That's, that's why we're here. That's why we're having this conversation. Let's just figure this out. You don't have to jump on a bandwagon because every guru under the sun on Instagram is doing it. You can absolutely figure out what works for you and your body. Okay, intermittent fasting, 16-8. You're a woman with hypothyroidism. You're doing 16-8, meaning eight-hour feeding window. In those eight hours, are you getting in enough calories? Number one, are you getting in enough nutrients? Number two, are you getting in enough protein? Now, again, protein, metabolically active, feed your muscles. Muscles and hair need amino acids, animal-based amino acids. And I do a deep dive on protein on the podcast. What did I call it? The only thing worse than being a vegetarian is being a vegan. Really going into the benefits of animal protein and how bad for you it is to rely on plant-based protein as a sole source. And you wonder why your hair is falling out and you wonder why you can't build muscle and you wonder why you have no libido and no motivation, protein. Now, are we all good? Am I speaking from a pedestal here? Absolutely not. There are many days where I'm not feeling the protein. I don't get it in. I'll force down a shake. I'll grab a Siggy's Greek yogurt. God, and I might hit 50 or 60 grams. But my ultimate goal, my ultimate goal on a daily basis, whether I hit that goal or not, maybe, don't know. Yes, no, sometimes. My ultimate goal is one gram of protein per pound of lean body mass. Let me say that again. One gram of protein per pound of lean body mass. So if you're 150 and you know that you want to be 120, or 130, you're going for the 120, 130. And then plus or minus 10. I mean, you know, we got to account for the bones and the organs and all that fun stuff, right? And you might be just shooting too low too. So you might be 140 dreaming of 120 that you were at on the day of your wedding, but realistically 130 would be a really nice, healthy weight for you. And then we have to take into account your height and all that. So just in general, bottom line is, as a woman, I don't want to see any woman stand in front of me who is taking in less than 80 grams of protein per day. That is bare freaking minimum. Chances are pretty good that you should be at 100, 120, 130. Are you getting in that protein in an eight-hour eating window? I'm going to argue most of you aren't because I know my schedule and I know how hard it is. And even if I narrow it down to eight hours and I get busy and I miss a meal, done, screwed, right? It's not happening. And those are most likely my days where I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm grabbing a protein shake. I'm grabbing a Siggy's Greek yogurt, grabbing some Paleo Valley beef sticks, whatever. But you're not going to get in the amount of protein that is required by your body, by your muscles, by your hair, 
by your heart, which needs 50 grams of protein to beat. You're not going to get it in if you're only giving yourself this narrow window of eating every single day. So that poses another question. Is intermittent fasting good for you as a hypothyroid woman? Well, hypothyroidism aside, we talked about that in relationship to the reverse T3 and the cortisol. But now what about the protein? So many of you are struggling with hair loss. So many of you are struggling with dry skin. So many of you are struggling with low testosterone and muscle loss and low libido. Yes, that's all tied back to the thyroid. And again, we can optimize your thyroid and we can optimize your hormones. But I can't make your hair magically grow. I can't put lean, sexy muscle on you if you're not eating the amino acids that are required by your hair, by your skin, by your nails, by your heart, by your muscles. That has to be on you. So doing too narrow of a window may limit the amount of protein that you're getting in every day. Now, again, listen, if you're an A1M1 biohacker and you got this down path and turn the podcast off, you don't need this. You're good. It's working for you. But if you have incorporated intermittent fasting, you're like, I've heard this is good, but I'm just not getting it because it's not working for me. Okay, we can figure out a different way. Now, also as a woman, you have fluctuating hormones. I don't even care if you're in menopause, you still have hormones, ladies, and hopefully you're on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and you're not dealing with low hormones or no hormones, but you still have fluctuating hormones. So there may be different times of the month that you feel like, hey, this fasting thing is easy. And there may be other times of the month where you are famished, you are starving. You're on the seafood diet. I was on that a couple of weeks ago. Everything I see, I ate. That is your body giving you a signal that it is not time to fast. And we're going to tie this back to the thyroid as well. Because if you are, and, and I couldn't tell you the exact times that are best to fast and best not to fast. If you're a cycling woman, suffice it to say, PMS time, the week before your period, probably the week of your period when your body needs more nutrients, needs more iron, needs more protein intake, would not be a time to fast. But even moving through that month of a cycling or non-cycling woman, you're still going to feel those hormone changes. You're going to intuitively, if you tap into your body, tap into your intuition that is there, you're going to know those times, those days, those weeks where you are famished, famished. It's not a time to fast. And I have spoken about this before, but intuitive fasting. If you wake up and you are genuinely not hungry, you don't have to eat. You don't have to do a bulletproof coffee. You don't have to put collagen in your coffee. You can have black coffee. You can go to 11, 12, 1 and not eat. If that is intuitive, maybe it's nine, maybe it's 10, maybe it's 11. Maybe it's not even all the way till noon or one. Let's back it up a little bit. Tune into your body. But if you wake up and it's 7 a.m. and you are starving, that's not a day to fast. Listen to your body. Your body will give you signals. Okay, we're going to take this one step further. What if you override that? What if you are a type A badass woman and you're like, I had it in my head that today was going to be a 16-8 fast and I have it on my calendar and so I have to do it because I marked it down that way. 
Now you're increasing cortisol because now your body is saying, screw you. We gave you a signal. We told you that we were hungry. We told you this wasn't a day to fast. You didn't listen. Now here comes the cortisol. And if you think that that thyroid hormone that you're taking is going to work with high cortisol, you're wrong. And if you think your reverse T3 is going to stay low and that you're going to convert that T4 to T3 with high cortisol, you're wrong. You overrode your body's own signal telling you what days are good to fast. Now, let's say you wake up and you're genuinely not hungry. Today's a day to fast. What if you set it in your mind that, okay, dinner is usually it's uh, six o'clock. You like your night Netflix snack like I do, eight o'clock. You don't really eat anything after that Netflix snack at eight. So you know that a pretty decent 16-8 window, you could start eating at noon. What if you're hungry at 10? What if you weren't hungry at six and you weren't hungry at seven, but now you're hungry at 10 a.m.? Are you going to push it till noon? Maybe. It's only two hours. That I'm going to leave up to you and your schedule. And again, you, your schedule, and the question of, can you get in the proper amounts of food and protein during those eight hours? What's your day look like? Are you crazy busy? Are you able to take things with you? Can you take a protein shake with you? Can you add in some amino acids? If the answer is no, and if the answer is, if I don't eat right now at 10 a.m., God, my schedule and I have deadlines and I got a meeting, oh, I might be able to throw something down at two, but then I got to pick up this kid and then, you know, Johnny has a baseball game and a football game and rowing and then and, and, and dinner won't be till seven. You better eat at 10 a.m. You better get that food in. You better get that protein in. You better throw some collagen in your coffee. Get some collagen protein fixer, throw in your coffee, put a little heavy whipping cream on top of it. Boom. It's amazing. It's not a day to fast then, or it's a day to fast until 10 a.m. And that's it. Do it till 10 a.m. Who cares if you have a 10 hour eating window that day, if you're going to be crazy busy and you're not going to be able to get in the calories and the protein, and it's going to be a stressor on your body to do so. The message is to listen to your body, really tune in and listen to your body. Look ahead at your schedule. Don't be so dead set type A on fasting because you heard it was good. You think it's going to help. Don't be so dead set on it that you're overriding and missing out on the benefits of listening to your body. Maybe nurturing your body with a few more meals that day is what your body needs. And when you do that and your body is happy, then it will lose weight because it's not holding on to fat for dear life because you're starving it over here. You're consuming a thousand calories a day. Your protein's only at 60 or 70. And your body's like, screw you. We're not going to let go of the fat. We're just not. It's not going to happen. So, okay, recap. We've said a lot here. Intermittent fasting benefits, lowers insulin, rest the digestive system. It rests your pancreas. There is autophagy that happens, clearing out of dead zombie cells. It ultimately does lower your risk of cancer. That's an extended fast. We didn't get into that right now. We're talking about intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, but it is seen as a stressor. It can raise reverse T3. If you're struggling with conversion, probably not something to screw around with. If you're struggling with insulin resistance, probably something to screw around with, but do it right. Listen to your body. Listen to your body's signals, hunger signals, intuitive fast. Make sure you're getting in the proper amounts of calories. Make sure you're getting in a minimum of 80 grams of protein, if not one gram per pound of body weight, lean body mass or where you want to be. 
If you're doing all that and you're doing it properly, go ahead and intermittent fast, plan it out. This is not a willy-nilly strategy. This is not a, a, you know what, today I'm doing hot yoga and I get that hermetic stress of the heat and the infrared. You have to plan this out. You don't want to wing it. If you are going to choose a day outside of your cycle when you have intuitively checked in with your body and said, I'm genuinely not hungry, I'm cool, and you're going to pick that day to fast, plan it out, look ahead, look at your schedule. What do you need to take with you? What do you need to make sure of that you get in as you're implementing this beautiful tool of intermittent fasting for your health? Are you also getting in the proper amount of nutrients, calories, and protein during that eating window, which is also beneficial to your health and can also turn the other way and be detrimental to your health if you do it the wrong way. And if you don't get in the amount of calories, starvation mode, protein, loss of hair and loss of muscle, if you're not getting that in nutrients, everything, if you're not getting in calories, protein, nutrients, good fats, hair, skin, muscle too, then don't do it. You better plan this out like you plan a vacation, right? You spend hours on Airbnb looking for the right place. Spend 10 minutes planning your next day that you want to incorporate intermittent fasting and make sure it works with your schedule, your lifestyle, what you have on hand, the food, the protein, all of it. Because we don't want something that could be good to be bad for you. And it absolutely could be bad for you. So hopefully this lengthy discussion clarifies the post that I made in the Dr. Amy Love Your Mirror group. If you're not in that group, go join the group. Dr. Amy, Thyroid Fixer, Love Your Mirror on Facebook. It's a private group. You can post your labs. You can post your questions. You'll see the things that I post in there. We can have a lively discussion about did you intermittent fast? How'd it go for you? Anybody? I mean, jump in there. Do me a favor, jump in that group. And based on this podcast, I want to know if you have had any negative repercussions from intermittent fasting. If you're like, oh yeah, I'm so glad you talked about this because last year I tried it. I did OMAD, I did 16-8 and man, I gained weight or yeah, my reverse T3 went up. I stopped converting. I need to change thyroid medication. Tell me. And if you've had a positive experience, I want to hear that too, because I know there's a lot of those out there. Okay. So you're going to join the group. You're going to join the Love Your Mirror group. You're going to tell me your stories. And that might be a whole nother podcast. Or maybe I'll have you on the podcast to tell your story. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you loved it. And as always, if you would be so kind to leave a review, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. I read all of them. Also, anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition. So we always recommend that you check with your medical provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner before implementing anything that you hear on this podcast. And if you want to find out more about working together, you can click the link below in the show notes to book a discovery call. And there you'll be talking to a member of my team. They are an extension of me. They are amazing. And you and I will talk after that once we get you all signed up and you and I get to work together. All right. I hope to see you soon.